If you're thinking of chucking in your day job to pick up the Instagram glamorous lifestyle of the footloose and fancy-free high-rolling life of the locum, then this is the episode for you. Here are 11 considerations I recommend you take into account before you rush to hand in your resignation. Hi, this is Julie South and you're listening to Paws, Claws and Wet Noses, the Kiwi Veterinary Sector Podcast. If you're a Kiwi veterinary professional, then stay tuned because this show is for you. Each week's podcast is purpose-built to help you grow your veterinary business, yourself or your life. You can find all the show notes and links mentioned in today's show at pawsclawswetnoses.fm. Okay, 11 considerations that I recommend you think about before you rush to hand in your day job. The first one is the unpredictability of locoming. If your personality type needs to have everything planned and organized, then maybe, just maybe, locoming isn't for you. Because unless you're lucky enough to land longish assignments, there will be times when you actually don't know when where your next gig is going to be or how long it's going to last. However, if you don't mind the roller coaster ride of constant change and flux, then you can tick off that box, the unpredictability box, or excitement as a reframe, as being okay for you. One question I'm often asked is, what's the average length of an assignment? I can't answer that because I've never tracked it, but what I can tell you is that vet staff assignments run from one day, that's to cover unplanned sickness, through to months and months. I've had one assignment start off originally for 10 weeks, and then they loved our locum so much that that was extended out to 23. The clinic nabbed our locum while they still had him to give their own veterinarians opportunity to take some time off and to use some of their annual leave. So that was 10 full weeks, extended to 23 full weeks, at 40 hours each week. It was a full-time gig. Then another assignment started off at 12 weeks, and as at recording this, is now sitting at 27 weeks, with still more time to run on that. Both of these are full-time. We also have veterinarians who want to work just three days a week, We have a number of ongoing assignments spanning several months that match perfectly with their locum lifestyle and their requirement just to work two or three days a week. These are again longish assignments and offer some form of predictability. And on the flip side of that are the times when I get an SOS in the morning wanting a locum right now immediately. Therefore, the more amenable you are, the more work you'll be offered, and the more understanding clinics will extend to you when your life unexpectedly gets in the way of theirs. But, of course, you have to earn your stripes first for equal flexibility to come back from the clinic. 
Number two, admin. The dreaded admin. If you're DIYing your own locum and gigs, that is, you're not using an agency like Vetstaff to represent you and to line up work for you, then you've really got to love admin because there's plenty of it. If admin's not really your thing, then you can outsource some of it, I guess, but then it's going to cost you. And really, why would you want to spend money paying someone when an agency like Vetstaff, for example, will do that as regular It's just what we do. It's part of our regular service and our regular offering to our locums. However, if admin is your jam and you're okay with it, then you'll be able to handle this part of the locum lifestyle as well. Now, what exactly am I talking about? First up, you need to have some form of legal contract in place between you and each clinic you contract to. You need to have a contract in place with every clinic even if it's just a one-day gig. If you don't, you'll leave yourself wide open for all sorts of headaches, like not getting paid in a timely manner. And that's because your terms of trade will detail how and when you'll be paid. If you don't have a contract in place with each clinic, you've got nothing to fall back on. Next, you'll need an assignment schedule. An assignment schedule is a bit like an appendix to your main terms of trade. You'll only need one terms of trade with each clinic, but each separate assignment will have its own unique assignment schedule. The assignment schedule will cover the duration of the assignment, the dates, times, location and expectations. For example, whether there is any after-hours requirements, on-call or emergency requirements for you to meet. You'll need to make sure that all of these are signed off before you start work. If not, you won't have a leg to stand on. The last thing you want is the time-sucky distraction of entering into a payments dispute. Because these are horrible. They're emotionally draining and they take your time away from organising other assignments. Then you've got to make sure your financial paperwork is all nice and tidy. As a self-employed contractor, you'll only get paid when you present your client clinics with invoices. This means you need to spend time writing them up. Here at Vetstaff, I realise that, that that's not something that veterinarians really enjoy. So I take care of that for them. Again, it's a free service and I do it because it makes both our lives easier. It means I don't have to nag for the locums to send me invoices and it means that I can pay them on time. And of course, talking about getting paid on time, you might have to chase up adding clinics that are a bit slow to pay onto your list of admin tasks. I got to say that that's definitely not one of my favorite tasks that I really do enjoy. It's not, 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 but it's got to be done. Because I dislike debt collecting so much, I do it first thing in the morning. I eat that frog fast so I can get on with the parts of my job that I really enjoy. Like matching great veterinary professionals into great clinics where both sides are appreciated. On to point number three, or consideration number three. Follow up and follow through. What I mean by this is that you'll need to be prepared to stay on the case of very busy practice managers or HR managers about assignments. 
Sometimes they'll get too busy to get back to you, confirming that they need you or don't need you. Because of that, it means that you'll have to spend time checking the status of your penciled-in assignments. If you don't, things could get a little bit stressful. A clinic expects you, but you're not there because no one had gotten back to you. So you thought it was all off. The flip side of that is that you turn up to a clinic ready to start work and everyone's surprised because nothing was ever confirmed in writing. So you need to stay on top of following up and following through. Further, this follow-up and follow-through can usually only be done during normal clinic hours, which may mean it's while you're locoming at another clinic. Lots of telephone tag happens and it's really easy to drop balls. So this is another really good reason to use an agency like VetStaff. Again, this is what we do. It's our job to follow up and follow through and then let our locums know. Number four, this is really important. You've got to have lots of referees if you're DIYing. I mentioned this in another video and I will put the link in the show notes of that. As a locum, the last thing you want to do is get on the wrong side of your referees because they're being hounded by all the clinics you're possibly going to be locuming at. The way around this, if you're DIYing, is to have lots and lots of referees. That way you can rotate them and the same ones don't get hassled all the time about providing a reference for you. As an alternative solution too, which as a recruiter... I don't place much credence in myself, is to get pre-written references. When somebody sends me a reference they've got themselves, I pretty much disregard it. Now why do I do that? Have you ever asked someone else for a reference? It's a bit like writing a Google review for a business. You don't really know where to, to start or what to say. You'll ask the other person and they'll say, sure, I can do that for you. What would you like me to say or write? They might even say something like, you write it up and I'll sign it. That is why I disregard candidate supplied references, because I'm not sure who actually wrote them. Further, there are performance and personality questions I want answered that are rarely ever addressed in a candidate supplied reference. So if you're DIYing, you need to respect your referee's time. This means protecting them from repeatedly being called by every HR or practice manager you might work for. That's another reason in my book, haha, not that I'm biased or anything, for using an agency like VetStaff, because we only need to ring your referees once each. That's it, once only. We don't need to call them each and every time we place you in a different locum assignment. Consideration number five. You need to have three or more years post-grad experience, real-life clinical experience. Here at VetStaff, we generally won't take on someone as a locum unless they've got at least three years post-grad experience under their belt first. And here's why. As a locum, you're expected to be able to hit the deck running without asking for guidance. The only questions you should be asking as a locum is, where do I find XYZ? Not... How do I do this? Clinics pay good money for locums and they expect a return on their investment. Because of that, they sometimes get worked really hard and most definitely without the requirement for hand holding. 
Clinics do not want to hold a locum's hand. Consideration number six, you need to be a people person. As a locum, you'll get to experience all sorts of team dynamics, some of which will be really fun and others will be an absolute nightmare. Regardless, you're there to do a job, to stay out of internal politics and, hopefully, feel like you're making the difference you dreamed of making when you started studying veterinary medicine. Sadly, some people will resent you being there. This can happen if you're there filling in a gap between employees resigning and the new ones starting, and there aren't any suitable prospects on the horizon. The people you're working with could be resentful that the clinic is prepared to pay you the big bucks, but not give them a pay rise. Calculating locum hourly rates is a topic of another episode next week, so stay tuned for that. But getting back to the resentment, if you're the type of person who takes personally what people say about you, even when it's not true, then you may struggle with situations like this. Fortunately, you won't find yourself in these situations often. And of course, the flip side of that resentment is being on a team, albeit temporarily, where everyone is just so grateful you're there helping them out. Having people skills and highly developed emotional intelligence is really helpful as a locum. Number seven, consideration number seven, travel and nights away. If you want to work your way around God's own Aotearoa New Zealand, then locuming is the perfect way to do that. Absolutely irrefutably. Some clinics have what they call frat flats attached to them for their locums and or visiting veterinarians to use. Other clinics are prepared to meet the reasonable costs of accommodation. Some are prepared to contribute a fixed amount per night or per hour worked towards accommodation expenses, while others won't have a bar of any of that and regard it as the locum's responsibility to pay for and organise themselves. Sadly, locums don't get the perks here that UK or other overseas locums may be used to. In the UK, you may get a vehicle, accommodation all paid for, and a fantastic hourly rate. That's not always the way here, though. Some career locums who don't mind moving around for different gigs have their own camper van, their own home away from home. It means they get to sleep in their own bed at night, but in different parts of New Zealand. Have a chat to your accountant because maybe, just maybe, you might be able to offset your campervan costs as an expense of running your locum business. Consideration number eight. You need to be able to say no. If you're choosing the locum lifestyle, then part and parcel of that is having enough downtime to be able to do what you want to do, balanced with earning enough income so you don't have to work every hour under the sun each day. If lifestyle is really important to you, then learning how to say no is a skill that's good to develop. As you're already aware, locum veterinarians are in short supply in New Zealand. That means if you're prepared to travel, you could probably have the option of working close to 365 days of each and every year if you wanted. However, agreeing to work every assignment offered to you won't give you the work-life balance you dreamed of having when you first started locuming. If you can't say no, you're going to run yourself ragged and burn out. That's not the object of the game. Paws, Claws and Wet Noses is sponsored by Vet Staff. 
If you've never heard of Vetstaff, it's New Zealand's only full-service recruitment agency, 100% dedicated to the veterinary sector. Vetstaff has been around since 2015 and works nationwide, from Cape Reinga to the Bluff and everywhere in between. As well as helping Kiwis, Vetstaff also helps overseas qualified veterinarians find work in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Vetstaff.co.au NZ. Consideration number nine, money in the bank, also known as a rainy day fund. Notwithstanding that I said before that you, if you wanted, could work 365 days of the year, it's also a very good idea to have around three months of living expenses up your sleeve, just in case. Just in case New Zealand goes into another alert level 4 lockdown situation. Remember, being a locum means that you're being self-employed. If history repeats itself with the first national lockdown and then the Auckland regional lockdown, some locum assignments will be cancelled. When New Zealand went into alert level 4, even assignments where the locum had been working for years at clinics were cancelled. All you'll have to rely on, if it happens again, is whatever the wage subsidy might be. Because you're self-employed, it'll be you who's expected to top up your earnings to 80%, or whatever it might be, God forbid, should that happen again. Another scenario where you might be unexpectedly out of work could be if you found yourself suddenly sick, or injured, or you need to care for a spouse or a child, or a parent who's very sick, and that means that you can't work. Even income replacement insurance doesn't kick in straight away, which means that having money in the bank is a very good idea. Financial pressure is awful. Don't put yourself there if you don't need to. If you don't have a rainy day account with three months living expenses in the bank, then consider deferring workum as a locum until you've saved that much. You can guarantee that if you have a rainy day account, it'll be safe. You won't have to dip into it. But if you haven't got it, you'll wish that you had. Consideration number 10, nowhere to call home. As a locum, you'll need to be able to handle having nowhere to call home. No one locker is yours. You'll be transient. You'll have to work harder to maintain any professional relationships you form because you won't be seeing the same colleagues day in, day out. If you're the sort of person who breaks out in hives at the thought of commitment, then working as a locum will be perfect for you. But if you like regularity and knowing you belong somewhere and that you play an integral part of a team, then maybe locuming won't suit you. Consideration number 11, and this is to test drive a new job. Maybe you've been offered a job, but you're not sure whether you think you'll enjoy working there. A consideration for you and the clinic could be to take each other for a test drive first. The clinic has nothing to lose. In fact, they'll probably jump at the idea because they'd rather find out you're not for them as a locum or under a fixed term contract than to fully hire you only to have you resign in a few weeks. Fixed term contracts have an absolute end date. At the end, you either both call it quits or you enter into an individual employment contract, both knowing the professional relationship is respectful and enjoyable. 
The only reason a clinic mightn't go for this is if you're level pegging with another candidate and that candidate knows the fit is right. I've seen locums offered permanent jobs from clinics where they've been locuming before. These are great outcomes because both parties know the fit is right, that culture and values match up on both sides. Earlier this year I negotiated a contract with a locum who was offered a permanent position at a clinic she'd been locuming at on and off for months and months. However, the reason she was a locum was because she wanted the ability to travel overseas each year for a few months at a time. She didn't want to work a 40 or a 50 hour week that's expected of full-time employees. So I negotiated a real win-win package for both the clinic and the locum. It involved doing a bit of an entire roster rejig because she only wanted to work three consecutive days and we had to work in with other veterinarians to make it happen. The lead vet and I started afresh with all the veterinarians' rosters and designed something that worked for everyone. It was a great outcome because it meant the other veterinarians got to work a roster that worked for them as well. Oh, and I also negotiated a considerable period of unpaid leave as well, so she could still take her overseas trips. The only requirement was that she gave the clinic 12 weeks notice of that intention, so the clinic had time to organise a locum to cover her. So let's quickly recap things for you to consider whether the locum lifestyle is for you or not. Number one, it's unpredictable. Can you handle that? Two, admin, you have to love it. Number three, you need to be able to follow up and follow through. Number four, you need to have lots of referees, otherwise you will just upset them if you're going to DIY your own locuming. Number five, you've got to have at least three years post-grad experience, otherwise it will just hurt, it really will, it will be demoralising. Number six, you need to be a people person because you're going to to strike all sorts of people in all sorts of situations. Number seven, it will involve if you want to work as if you want to work as full time as possible, possibly, travel and nights away. Number eight, you need to be able to say no, otherwise you're going to burn yourself out. Number nine, money in the bank, rainy day funds for those times when you cannot work. Number ten. Know where to call home. And number 11, the opportunity to test drive a new job. If you're listening to this podcast or watching this video on Facebook, we'd love you to help us, please. Give us the thumbs up and make a comment. We'd love to know that that you're listening and it's working for you. If you're watching this on YouTube, please, again, give us a thumbs up, write a comment, a positive one, and subscribe. If I can help you in any way, contact me in New Zealand, 0800 483 869, WhatsApp or text, New Zealand, 6427 2824155. Pause, claws and wet noses is sponsored by Vet Staff. If you've never heard of VetStaff, it's New Zealand's only full-service recruitment agency 100% dedicated to the veterinary sector. VetStaff has been around since 2015 and works nationwide, from Cape Reinga to the Bluff and everywhere in between. 
as well as helping Kiwis, vet staff also helps overseas qualified veterinarians find work in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Vetstaff.co.nz 